0: The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Over the line, or throws it, he's in. A backhand with a by Tony Esposito. Stan McKee, was a, a small guy, very cocky in those days. A right hand by Magnuson, and he wouldn't that down. Magnuson trying to tear his hair out. NBC Chicago's James Navo. picked out of Odyssey, Chicago Hockey Insider, Jay Zawaski. No more! Hawks win! Hawks win again! Chris Jelios in overtime! Part of Blue Wire Podcast. Game off the boards, he shoots, his goal. down to the Tames! A game-winning goal! The Hawks live to fight another day! back, drive gets it, The Madhouse, Chicago Hockey Podcast. Chicago's going to be in last place forever. Triple Threat Sports, Fry the Coop, and by the Sins-In-Law Group, Let's Drop the Puck.
1: Hello friends, this is indeed the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Neveau from NBC5 Chicago. With me as always is the one and only Jay Zawaski of Odyssey, of the I'm Fat Podcast, of best-selling authorship. Jay, in the intro to the show, we hear the phrase, the Blackhawks will be in last place forever.
2: <laughs> yes, we do. That
1: just it seems super apropos right now. The NHL is on ESPN. Ticket prices are <laughs> going down very quickly. I fear that we might be retreating back to 2003. I'm yeah. just, uh, just throwing that out there.
2: It's not great. Uh, my buddy Nick Shepkowski tweeted that, "Hey, at least I still have my college ID, so I'll be soon be able to get into Hawks games for eight bucks." And looking at StubHub tonight, I'm very curious how they filled that building because I was sitting at dinner at six o'clock and went on StubHub and I saw tickets for six dollars for eight dollars. I'm not gonna say like they were talking in the game. They had four thousand empties and all of a sudden they filled up. Something is suspect. I don't know if they like went to Union Station and just said Hawks tickets. Get your Hawks tickets, please come to the game. Uh, but hey, that's the least. I couldn't care less about the attendance right now. Uh, this team is in dire straits, and we're gonna break it all down. Thanks for joining us. Follow us on social media at MadhousePod on Twitter, Madhouse underscore Pod on Instagram. Look us up on Facebook. We've got our T Public Shop bunch of sales coming up there soon. So keep an eye on our social media accounts for information on those sales. We got T shirts, we got mugs, we got. Uh, hoodies we've got all sorts of stuff with our logo and some other hockey centric designs on there so make sure you check that out that link is in our social media bios but here we are man Uh, 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 we talked about this season optimistically coming into the year right you can look at the first game against Colorado and say okay you know Stanley Cup favorite opening the season uh, you know okay fine things got away a lot of new faces there's no spinning this, and yeah, they played their best game of the season tonight against the Islanders and got and lost four to one, and that was their best effort of the year by far. There is so much, like I don't even know where to start. I don't even know. Where to start. Here's where I'm going to start, and I'll answer for you too. I don't know. James doesn't know. I think you know what I'm talking about. We don't know if and when Jeremy Calton's going to be fired. The excuses are over. He's had a built-in excuse every single year. There isn't one now. They brought in a number one defenseman. They brought in the Vezina Trophy-winning goalie. They brought in a guy who's won two consecutive Stanley Cups. They brought in Jake McCabe, who is one of the better uh, stay-at-home defensemen available. And this team has been nothing but trash since the puck dropped on the season. And I'm not—I'm not here for moral victories, okay? great you had your best game of the year on your home opener that's what you should do that that's what you should be doing that's how that's how it should work they've not had a lead all season something
1: that ESPN gleefully pointed out every single time the Blackhawks had a good scoring chance in the first period of the game
2: they've been outscored 15 to three at five on five this season 15 to three. It's five on five. That's bad. They have not scored an even. They have not scored a five on five goal in every game this year. It's just unbelievable. And whether or not you think it's Jeremy Cowton's fault at this point doesn't matter because you have to do something. And like we always say, James, we try to keep things positive. We try not to be the everything is crazy. Let's, you know, set things on fire and flip tables over every time they lose. But something has to give here. Something is very, very wrong. You give a a goal to, what, was it New Jersey 17 seconds and Pittsburgh 15 or vice versa?
1: Hey, they made progress tonight. It took them uh, a lot longer than that to give up their first tally.
2: You can say what you want about how tonight's game went. Some bad luck, some bad bounces. Every mistake the Hawks made ended up in the back of their net. And every time the Hawks had a good scoring chance, it would be, you know, Alex Dobrynka whiffed a couple times. Like It was just one of those nights. But... For the majority of the season, this team has not been ready to play. That is a coaching issue.
1: Yep. Um. Yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. I think that we tend to start every uh, show uh, talking about some of the positive stuff that we've observed. I think that's kind of been our uh, modus operandi just because of the fact the Blackhawks have been kind of rebuilding for the last few seasons. That's not where they're at right now. So I don't think that it behooves us to just kind of focus on the positive and say that it's a growth process, whatever. We we just kind of have to face facts. Marc-Andre Fleury, for as good as he's looked at times in the first couple of games, was not good tonight. It was pretty bad, I would say. The Blackhawks defense, like you said, every single time they made a mistake, it ended up in the back of the net. Eric Gustafson did that thing that he loves to do, passing, like going below the goal line when there's two guys already there and leaving the post wide open, goal scored. Basically, the Blackhawks came out with a ton of grit and sandpaper and passion, and they looked great in the first period of the game. And yeah, they won the possession battle. All of those things are true. But by the time the Islanders scored their second or third goal, this team was basically dead man skating. They just looked like they were completely disinterested. They looked listless. And I'm going to compare this to the idea of Waffle House closing before a hurricane. If their closing is real bad, (laughs) Jonathan Taves did not win 50% of his draws tonight. I know, like, out of all of the other stuff, I saw that, and that immediately was like, oh, dear God, what is going on with literally everybody on the team. Now, Taves does not have a point through four games this season starting to get slightly worried about that for him. Obviously Patrick Kane, after a really strong first period, I thought looked pretty lethargic and listless in the game tonight. He ended up with four shots on goal. Can't say I noticed him much in the uh, second and third periods of this game. Uh, Seth Jones had a great core seat tonight, but made a few, uh, mistakes as well just this team everything they try to do right now just does not seem to be working out and yeah you can kind of say some of this involves young guys and new guys kind of trying to gel into the system but at the end of the day and pardon my french here everybody I apologize it's just a cluster out there literally every single night it's the same story and at a certain point you just have to say look there may not be a Joel Clenville in the Blackhawks organization right now that they can just easily pull the trigger and go to that guy. But at a certain point, you just have to say these guys are, you're running the risk of falling out of contention 10 games into the season. You can't continue to see these types of efforts. Otherwise the season's going to get away from you. And this team is not built to win in two or three years. This team is built to win right damn now. And they're making no strides towards doing that.
2: Well, look, we've talked about the importance of all these games because of how strong the Blackhawks division is, right? St. Louis is 2-0. Minnesota is 2-0. Dallas is 2-2. and Nashville 1-2. Colorado 1-2. and But the Hawks have one point in four games. One point in four games. Again, St. Louis, Minnesota have only played twice and already have a three-point lead on the Hawks. I know it's four games into the season. I know things can turn around, but what evidence do we have that Jeremy Colleton going to be the guy that rallies the troops and turns this thing around? Whether, again, I know there are people that irrationally hate Jeremy Colleton, but tell me, even if you're a fan of Jeremy Colleton's, what does he do well? What does he come in here and made better? You know, when you when you watch We said that about his
1: developmental skills when Stan Bowman talked about how much he liked those, and we kinda thought to ourselves, um, examples, please, Stan, like so your number three your number three
2: your number three overall pick in Kirby Doc has been your best player. In year three of his career, that's that's how he should look. And I'm not taking anything away from the way Kirby Doc's playing. He's playing great, great assist tonight. Uh, on the power play stick handled himself into a scoring chance that ended up on Kershaw's blade. that got saved like Kirby Dock's been doing everything right. But like, that's just talent. How many guys can we look at that? He did not develop Adam Boquist, right? Like G- Ian Mitchell, who came into his rookie year last year thinking like, wow, this guy's going to be a top four defenseman. He's in Rockford again, right? Like who are all these guys that he's developed? That's the thing is All I hear about is communication. Well, he's a great communicator. Guess what? So am I. I send a hell of an email. I am the emailingest dude you've ever seen. James, does anyone text back faster than me? Hell no. It doesn't mean I should coach an NHL team. And maybe his strategies worked in Europe and whatever. This team is not responding to his coaching. And
1: guess they're saying all of the right things and then promptly doing none of them.
2: You know who else they said the right things about Dennis Savard? And it was still the right thing to fire him. Beloved Blackhawks legend had a team with expectations. They got off to a slow start and it was like, you know what? No, we got to do something. And yeah, they had Joel Quenville right there. Guess who they have right there on the bench? Mark Crawford. And oh, I'm not yeah. saying he's 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 Joel Quenville, but he's a replacement level NHL coach, which I believe is better than what they have right now.
1: You sure they're not going to go out and hire uh, Torts or uh, Mike Babcock?
2: I can't. I just don't see the way I like the way Stan Bowman looks at hockey. I can't see him doing the Babcock thing or the I'm not. I don't see him going and bringing in the tyrant. I don't think that's what this team needs right now.
1: I don't know. They look pretty lethargic. That might be the first thing that pops into his head.
2: Maybe, but I I think just having a cohesive system that works is going to be, (laughs) it's going to make a world of difference. Again, just just playing like your average hockey system that doesn't require your defensemen to chase forwards to the blue line and abandon their posts. And I mean, how many times have we seen this year Quality NHL defensemen like Connor Murphy and Jake McCable, like running into each other, not knowing where they're supposed to be. This stuff is happening all the time. The system's overcomplicated. He doesn't have the personnel for his system because it requires the forwards to come back and play defense, too. And you've got probably a third year forwards who have no interest in playing defense. And by the way, you mentioned his name earlier about the faceoffs. I saw Jonathan Taves pull up in the third period. on a puck that was uh, going into the corner behind Marc-Andre Fleury. He could have gone in there hard and won that puck and opted not to. Jonathan Taves made a business decision. And yeah, you're down for nothing, and maybe it's the time to do that. That's fine. But that's something I never thought I would see.
1: Yeah, and I'm obviously I, I've seen what Taves has been doing in practice. He's obviously working with the younger centers, and he's you know still doing all of those things that a captain needs to do. But like you mentioned, if that's going to be the case with Jonathan Taves, that he's not going to go into those corners and use his size to go and win a puck battle even down for nothing, that says something about where his uh, enthusiasm level is for where things are heading with the Blackhawks. And like I said, he. Patrick Kane, basically, everybody on the team has all said the right things about Jeremy Colleton and expressed their support and said that they think the system is working. They hit the slightest bit of turbulence, the slightest bit of adversity, they shut down. Yep. They turtle. They play like crap. They had a great first period tonight, just absolutely without a doubt, their best period of hockey so far this season, they didn't score any goals. And as soon as the Islanders took kind of took the upper hand and scored a goal and then scored a second goal, you could just feel the air just out of the balloon for the Blackhawks immediately. And that's not something that you do when you're fully bought in and fully invested with a system. And, You're hard pressed to convince me right now that they want anything to do with Jeremy Colleton. And I think that Stan Bowman, if he's serious about them being a contending team this season, how much longer can you honestly let this go on? Can you let them go winless through seven, eight, nine games, especially like you alluded to earlier with how good this division is? Yes, it's early. Early doesn't last very long in the NHL. You can easily get left behind after the month of October and never be able to make up that room. I mean, you may may have, like, occasional teams like the Blues that can do that the year that they won the Stanley Cup. That is by far the exception. That is not the rule at all. The Blackhawks have got to pull themselves out of this tailspin, and with each passing day, it's just becoming harder and harder to envision a scenario where that happens under Jeremy Colleton.
2: I'm predicting 2-8-1 and one will be their record after 11 games. Here's how I'm there. They're 0-3-1 right now. Next up, Vancouver. Loss. After that, Detroit. I'll give them a win, even though I shouldn't. Next up, uh, by that. the way,
1: I'm going to that game on Sunday, and like I pointed out on Twitter, I was at Dennis Savard's last game as Blackhawks head coach before he got fired.
2: So there you go. Maybe
1: I can pull some uh, Zawaski uh, black magic on this
2: thing. <laughs> there you, please do. Toronto one five and one. The Blackhawks will be Carolina one six and one. St. Louis one seven and one. Oh, there's the Ottawa Senators. I'll get that one for some reason two eight and one. Guess who's after Ottawa, Carolina again, <laughs> two, nine and one is Jeremy Coulton fired yet. I don't know. And again, I'm not, let's, let's stop this conversation about Colin, right? Because until he's fired, he's not, and he's here and they need to figure out what they can do in the meantime. And there's a lot more things. It's, I think it's lazy of us to just be like, well, Jeremy Cowton sucks and that's why they're losing. I think that's a big part of it, but it's not the only reason. And, uh, you know, I do want to say one more thing though. You can't tell me that Dylan Strome would not be more effective than Tyler Johnson right now.
1: Either trade him or play him. I think this is this has gotten to the point now where I thought he'd probably be gone before Game One, and we wouldn't have to worry about any of this. If you're honestly going to continue to go through this charade, just play him. For God's sake, play him.
2: Yeah, I mean, if there's if a team is so desperate, like if they're sitting on their hands waiting for a trade that may never come. That's just irresponsible. He's on your roster. You're paying him. He is better than the players you're playing. And I think Mike Hardman played well. But for Hardman to get called up and then put on the ice instead of Strom, that's tough, man. That Especially when you start 0-3-1, you know, to not give that guy a chance to, to get in the lineup and show what he can do is a little bit crazy. I don't know. I If I'm doing Strom, I'm pissed. And I know that's not in his personality, right? He's not... He's a a good dude. He's not going to complain. He gets that it's a business, but you're right, man. Let the guy off the hook. Send him to another team. If there's some trade pending, do what you got to do to make it happen. I I wonder if, because we saw reports earlier this week that the Hawks are trying to move Andrew Shaw's deal, and maybe they think that Dylan Strom is a sweetener for that, and they've got a team that's sort of hemming and hawing, or they need to wait for a certain date to be able to take on the cap hit, whatever it might be they're doing strong
1: you just put Nikita Kucherov Mm
2: -hmm. on LTIR today well watch them get Jack Eichel now that that's a that's not the way watching hockey
1: if they get Jack (laughs) Eichel I'm just I'm done screw it Jay it's been great doing a podcast with you they're gonna friggin bring in Jack Eichel and then bring Kucherov back for the playoffs and win a third straight cup and I'm just gonna pass out and die probably
2: (sighs) well don't do that Don't do that. He's hurt anyway, so he wouldn't be able to play right away either. So it's just, there's just so many things, man. I, I, you know, I I know that people are going to start really focusing on Seth Jones and Marc-Andre Fleury. Um, I think with Fleury, it's a little bit deserved. And there have been some moments with Seth Jones that have been not great. Um, But for the most part, when he's on the ice, you know, he's doing magical things with the puck. (laughs) Okay, like I've been pretty impressed with the way he's been able to move the puck and um you know he's missed the net a few times on some looking for redirects or whatever. But overall I'm pretty pleased with his game. Uh Flurry needs to be better. I think that that first goal against Pittsburgh was tough where it just sort of fell under his pad. But I two of the goals tonight I was kind of like, okay. Like the Wallstrom one where he intercepted the Borkstrom pass and just kind of shot in Flurry's like, oh, he can shoot. That's right. I that was a little
1: bit odd. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah,
2: there were a few of those. So I don't know. It's just uh, I'm just kind of lost for words here, man. I, 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 you know, we had high expectations, but it wasn't just us. It wasn't just us being homers. A lot of people thought the Hawks were going to come out and, and make some noise with all the moves they made and everyone's healthy and yada, yada, yada. And everything was sort of coming up Blackhawks. And, and look, during the preseason, which I know doesn't matter, they looked like a competent team. They were beating some teams or beating the hell out of some teams some nights. And all of a sudden, you know, the puck drops on a regular season. They experience some adversity, and they can't jump out of it. And today's game was a microcosm of it, right? Like, they start off okay, and then the Islanders score, and then uh, it starts to get a little bit itchier. Then it's 2 nothing, And when it was 2 nothing, that game was over. And you over. knew it, and I knew it, and everybody watching the game knew it.
1: Hmm. <sighs> Yeah. Um, I mean, we can obviously talk about some of the positives that have kind of emerged from the first few games of this season. And I mean, that that list to me, I don't think it starts with any of the guys that are newly acquired. I don't think that you can say that Seth Jones has been a huge difference maker since he's been since he's come in. I feel like Jake McCabe's had a really rough four games and that's a guy that I was really High on when he came in, I thought he was going to pair up really nicely with Connor Murphy. That has not come to pass. By the way, the Jones-DeHaan pairing tonight was actually really solid for the Blackhawks in terms of a uh, possession perspective. So if you want to maybe glean a positive or two from this game, that's one that you can potentially point to. Um, another one, I think you can pretty confidently say that Alex DeBrincat. yeah, he's had some uh, struggles in actually putting the puck in the net. At times, had that tonight for sure. That dude's been all over the ice. And honestly, I've liked him and Kirby Doc on the penalty kill together. That's actually been something that's been working out pretty well for them. So that, we can start with either of those positives if you want to. But, man, just tch, such a sour taste in the mouth for only being four freaking games into this season, man.
2: Yeah, it's it's really disappointing. And, it's look, it's one thing to – you know, come out and, and lose three to two or two to one or four to three. They're getting housed in every game. I mean, and, and even when you look back on the New Jersey game where they got a point, it took like a miracle comeback late in the game with an empty net to tie it. Then, you know, they lose right away in overtime. So even that felt worse than it probably was, you know, or it probably was worse than it felt, you know, when you watch that game overall, it was just, I don't know. And you're talking about positives and, I, I, I I've, you know, Doc has been the best Hawk for me, but then when you start to think like who've been the other really good Hawks, like Kara, he's been pretty good. That's I've a lar- fourth like I said, I've
1: largely like to kid. I like, I know he obviously hasn't been putting up eye popping numbers, but he hadn't been bad. I'd say he's been solid to good.
2: Uh, you can see he is really feeling the stress of what's happening. Like you can see it in his play, where you see him whiff on a wide open one timer. Look, look one timers are tough plays, of course. Like Twice I know, on yeah. The same power play tonight, man. yeah. And that's just that's evidence of a dude and anybody, you know, squeezing the squeezing the stick too hard, trying too hard to be perfect. And I think this is where we're at now with the Hawks is they're feeling this, you know, they're feeling the pressure of what's happening here, and they feel like, well, we got to be perfect, we got to be perfect, and then if they're not perfect. The puck's in the back of their net. It feels like, and tonight was a good example. Every time they made a mistake, it was in the back of their net. Every time. And then every time that happens, it hurts more and more and more and just adds that stress and adds that angst. And I don't know, again, is Jeremy Cowden going to be the guy who can pull them out of this? Right, like Those guys could look to Joel Quenville in a tough time and say, okay, you know what? If nothing else, we believe in this guy. If nothing else, we have a mountain of evidence indicating that this guy knows what the hell he's doing. I don't think they have that evidence with Colleton. And did you see uh, mic'd up Jonathan Taves? Boy, that was expir- inspiring. <laughs> Come on, boys. Let's do it.
1: Come on. Get- well, I mean, it's never. Come it's on, not like he's it. the most like energetic dude in the world anyway when it comes to rah-rah speeches. Just
2: keep at it. We got it. Yay. Oh, my God. It was just such a bummer. And it started off like, okay, good first period. They're in it. And even when it was one nothing, I was like, okay. But if they keep doing what they're doing, chances are they're going to be okay. And then, again, as soon as it became 2 nothing, we all knew. We all knew it was over. There was just no, I, I don't know. I just, I, I can't stop thinking that they played their best game of the season by a mile and lost 4-1. to
1: Like I was saying earlier, I mean, just like clearly the balloon deflated when they went down to nothing. Like it just everything from there seemed like it went downhill. And uh, four games into the season, you're going to have kind of stretches where you're not playing your best and every bounce is kind of going against you. That is the nature of hockey. Yep. But to have it happen in the first four games of the season when hopes were so high coming into the season that this year was going to be different. You can tell the players are pressing. You can tell they're pissed. You can tell that this is really grating on them already. And that, again, is why I think if Stan Bowman is serious about this team competing for a playoff berth this year, you can't let this continue to just go on and assume that they're going to get out of the tailspin. This can get out of hand really quickly. And then you're looking at trading away assets in January. I mean, that is already – you know, potentially on the table if they don't get out of this. And it just seems like everything they try to do just is not working. And I think that the schedule coming up has some winnable games. You alluded to Detroit and Ottawa, and I'm sure they can steal games in other places. And yes, the Islanders were a team that I picked to win the Metropolitan this season. I think you did as well, if I remember right. I mean, so they've they've had some – You know, a couple of tough-ish games, I guess. But you went into Pittsburgh, who did not have basically their top three forwards, and you lost. You got housed by the Avalanche. You lost to the Islanders despite playing really well. This team's already taken some serious psychological blows this season, and man, oh man, they're – it's going to get down to brass tacks here really quick. They're going to have to make a decision on the direction of the team, both for this season and the future. And I just hope Stan Bowman doesn't wait too long to pull the trigger. If he fires Jeremy Colleton 40 games into the season, I think that's way too late.
2: Yeah. By the way, Detroit 2-0-1, Ottawa 2-1-0. So, Buffalo
1: 3-0-0. Yeah. What in the absolute <laughs> hell is going on in the NHL right now? Yeah,
2: it's, it's, it's crazy. So there are no assumed wins or losses anymore. You know, it's just... And again, like Montreal's zero and four, and they've been outscored fifteen to three. Like it is early. We got to remind ourselves it is early. But again, I just don't have any sort of feel for how are they gonna. And look, they're they're, they're gonna win some games. It's hockey. You win games. It's part of what happens in the sport, right? You don't win. Don't talk the third. to
1: the ninety two ninety three uh, Senators. Oh about God!
2: That. Wait, can we play them? Maybe that would help. <laughs>
1: Wasn't that the team that like won, I think, like one road game or something like that? Oh,
2: something brutal like that. Yeah. Something like comically almost impossible. You know, Stan Bowman was just promoted, right? Uh elevated to director of hockey operations or whatever the name is, pr- president, whatever it is. Um, we've discussed in the offseason now does that promotion allow him another firing? Right. Because for a long time, we felt like, look, if they have to fire Cowton, they're going to have to fire Bowman too. They're they're, 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 you know, they're joined at the hip. They go hand in hand. You fire Joel Quenville. you bring in your guy. That doesn't work. Sorry, you're fired. I think we're past that stage right now where Bowman gets fired too. And I know there's a lot of people listening to this who are pissed about that. But I, I and I'm not saying he shouldn't be. I'm just saying that I think that that's how the Hawks are looking at it now. He got the promotion. They gave him the vote of confidence. I think he has another coach to hire before they let him go. So we'll see. I, I, I just that's like my one little bit of hope is that because he's been empowered, because he was given this massive promotion, given the president of hockey ops title, that he is allowed a little more slack than maybe he had before they made that decision. And before Danny Wirtz and him fell in love during the bubble in Edmonton.
1: <laughs> by the way, I was correct. The ninety two ninety three Senators did win exactly one game on the road. So good job to me on that front. That's almost
2: it's almost impossible.
1: <laughs> when you think <laughs> they, about... they followed that up by winning three on the road the next season, but
2: like when you think about the randomness... and they didn't even
1: have any ties on the road. They were one in forty two.
2: <laughs> yeah, when you think about the randomness of hockey. That's almost impossible. Like, unless you're playing, like, I feel like if you put the wolves out there for 82 games against the NHL, they, they win, you know, maybe half a dozen road games, right? Like just by whatever Like goalie played well or whatever. I, I can't believe an NHL team was that bad. That's unbelievable.
1: And I know they were an expansion team, but dang anyway, but bas- yeah, yeah. aside from that, this is not the oh.
2: 1993 Ottawa, Ottawa senators podcast.
1: I can, yeah. I, I just, I love the fact that I somehow was able to pull that out of the fog of frustration. That was, um, that was nice. Um, I know the, I know the way you're saying about Stan is accurate. That he basically got a big old fat vote of confidence to go ahead with what he was doing. I just, I have to think if the Blackhawks are serious about the direction of the team and. I I don't understand how the Colleton extension like casts a good light on Stan Bowman. He could have told Jeremy Colleton, Hey, thanks for your development or whatever. And gone in a different direction. He didn't choose to do that. He chose to give Jeremy Colleton a contract extension. I'm not quite sure why that should enable him to potentially fire him and bring in another head coach. I, understand what signal it sends that they gave Bowman the new title, the new authority. They gave him the new paper. Basically. I just don't understand why he should get carte blanche for the struggles of Jeremy Colleton when he very clearly vouched for him by giving him that contract extension.
2: I don't think he should. I think he will. Yeah. I, I, I really, I, I don't think uh, I, I agree with you. I don't think Stan Bowman should be allowed to hire another coach. But January 12th, 2021, two-year extension for Jeremy Colliton. Okay. All right. I just I at the time we sort of said based on what? Right? Yeah. And I think you did. I think you understand in uh y- as you've mentioned, you don't want a lame duck coach. That's always a t- like, you know, that's never on any sport, that's always kind of a bad look. But I don't know, like we said it all the time going into this year, what has he shown us? What do we know about him aside from his system is really overcomplicated and doesn't fit? And we know that some of the most respected players in Blackhawks history didn't like him, didn't want him as a coach, didn't respect him. And you could say like, well, be professional, right? Like just deal with it. And they did. Duncan Keith dealt with it. Brent Seabrook dealt with it, you know, and now those guys are are gone And it felt like, okay, well, maybe now with them gone, they'll buy in a little more. But now you bring in, not only is Taves back, you bring in two dudes with skins on the wall, especially in Flurry, right? Flurry and Jones come in. It's different from last season where Jeremy was just tasked, tasked with trying to see how many young players he had that were worth a damn. Yeah. And that's what last season was, let's be honest. And there were some fun games last year. Like you, you felt good overall about the Blackhawks prospects, but last year is not this year and they can't be compared. They can't be. If you're rebuilding, if they had said, again, this is year two of the rebuild. We're going to move out more veterans. We're going to play some more kids. Maybe we'll sign a guy like who's, you know, like Seth Jones, you could probably sell as, Hey, he's still 26. He's going to be the next leader of our next generation. Fine. I'll buy that. But, You can't go then bring in Flurry and McCabe and all these and Johnson and all these veterans. You're trying to win now, and this is not the this is not the coach who's going to lead them to victory.
1: Yeah, and it's it's obviously like it just has been kind of a. It's what's really sucked is it's kind of been a murderer's row of uh, decisions, kind of coming back on the Blackhawks a little bit so far this season because you had Bowen Byram have a really strong game mm-hmm. against the Blackhawks in game one. You had Dougie Hamilton go out and score a goal against the Blackhawks in game two. It just – it seems like every single game this season has featured some unique kick in the nuts to the Blackhawks. <laughs> and tonight, and tonight's uh, nut kick du jour was – obviously them outplaying the Islanders for large stretches of the game and having absolutely nothing to show for it. It just, it, it, I, I said this on Twitter and I'm going to stick by it. If anybody wants to be pissed off at Jeremy Colleton and say that he should be fired and that his system is garbage and all of that stuff, I'm struggling to come up with any reasonable way to defend him from those types of comments, and I get it. We're four games into the season. This could end up looking like overreaction if the Blackhawks start to turn it around, but I have to ask Blackhawk fans to kind of look themselves in the mirror and ask themselves the question, what has this team shown that makes you think they would be capable of turning things around under Jeremy Colleton. And I think the answer to that question is not a zip zilch.
2: Yeah, I mean, the hope is that the talent overcomes the coach. Right? That's never a good system. That's never a good <laughs> Correct. way to approach things ever. Well, I mean, look, let's, let's think about this with the Bears, right? Like it's can the defense be good enough to overcome the poor offensive coaching?
1: Christ, smack me in the head with a canoe paddle. But
2: that, like, really, that, that's that's what every Bears game has become is. Can the Bears hold the opponent to enough points for the offense to just score enough to win? And you held the Packers to 24 points. You should win when you do that.
1: But no, Aaron <laughs> Rodgers owns them.
2: Well, that's correct. That That is 100 percent true.
1: That, yeah, that that hurt <laughs> because it was true. Yeah, that was not- well,
2: when he said that. I was like, oh, no. Well, As soon as he
1: did, I was like, crap, he's right. Doesn't mean I have to like it.
2: You know what I do like, James?
1: Basically anything but what we've seen from the Blackhawks so far. So this could be anything.
2: I like Fry the Coop. There you go. I had it last week. Delicious as ever. For the first time, I got the hot chicken sandwich. I usually just get the tenders or the honey butter. I'm like, you know what? I want the sandwich today. Guess what? Delicious. Go get yourself some Nashville hot chicken fry the coop fry the if you're in the chicagoland area there's one near you Oaklawn, elmhurst west town prospect heights and tinley park go visit our friends at fry the coop they are killing it they're open for dine-in they've got a great craft beer menu if you want to take it out they got that as well i know prospect heights and tinley have drive-thrus so you can go through the drive-thru order sit there they cook it fresh it gets you quicker than other restaurants drive throughs i promise you that even though they're making it fresh for you Somehow, still, they get it to you faster than uh, a lot of other restaurants. <coughs> Portillos, <clears throat> sorry, I have something in my throat. <laughs> um, so, go to fry the coop. Tell them the Madhouse podcast sent you. You will greatly enjoy it. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, dude, I feel like we're just kind of at this point, just sort of talking in circles.
1: I have an idea, Jay. Yes. Is there anything that can fix this? Like, what do you have any suggestions for? Jeremy and company besides obviously him going away is there anything that you could offer in a positive light of what the Blackhawks can do
2: I think you need to I think well here's what I would say against Vancouver I'm not changing anything in the lineup because you did I a
1: thousand percent agree with that I was damn it I was gonna say that
2: you did play your best game and it was not not only was it your best game it was your best game by a mile Mm -hmm. and There were a lot of things happening positively in that game. Now, it remains to be seen what the deal is with Mike Hardman, who left the game um, clearly dealing with concussions, uh, with a concussion issue as he skated past the door and had to be grabbed by his teammates and led back to the door and onto the bench. That's never a good sign. And he went back to the locker room. And I I liked his game. I thought he had a solid game. Um, So if that's the change, Dylan Strome probably comes in or Gaudette who's not been terrible either, mm-hmm. um, but I would not change a thing. I think your defensive pairing of DeHaan and Jones worked. Stick with it. Let it be. Let Murphy and McCabe figure, figure things out. I think the best thing you can do now is if he's your coach and this is your system, let guys get used to playing the system together. Agreed. That would be my advice, and my other advice is to start Marc-Andre Fleury again and give him a chance to, to bounce back because – that's a prideful dude. I saw a quote here. Uh, this is Mark Lazarus. Uh, Jeremy Cowden on Mark Andre Fleury quote. Just like everyone, he's got a lot of pride and wants to be better. So do I. I want to be better too. That's what Jeremy Cowden had to say. So I, I, I don't change anything. I go the same lineup against Vancouver and just say, hey, if we do what we did for the vast majority of the game against the Islanders, we're going to be okay, right? You're going to have a chance to win. And at this point, that's all you can hope for and hope the bounces go your way and hope, you know, it's one of those nights where you are getting the puck luck and maybe you win a game four to one and you feel, okay, everybody breathes, everybody feels better, and then you can sort of hit the reset button on the season and begin, you know, after game five. That that to me is my hope. But yeah, I I don't know, maybe it's going to be Jeremy Cowden's thought to just well, now I have to panic because my job's in danger. So if I change nothing, it looks like I'm not doing anything. That that's why this is such a dangerous time. Because you... I need
1: a coach who can stand by his convictions. If yep. he honestly thinks that this lineup is the one that's going to win, stick with it. If not, change it. Like I, I, I cannot stand the idea of a coach coaching scared. And that to me, if you do another widespread lineup shuffle after a game like that. I think the results, the statistics, the everything points to this potentially working. Obviously clean up the mistakes, but those possession numbers don't lie. The Blackhawks did control big swaths of that game, even when they looked like they weren't exactly super confident what they were doing. I think that that speaks to the logic and the intelligence of keeping – Hagel, Doc, and Kane together. I thought that that line looked really solid tonight. That bore out in the statistics. I thought that Henrik Borgstrom and Alex DeBrinkit showed some really solid chemistry together. I don't think it's a good idea to break up Dominic Kubelik and Jonathan Taves. I feel like the forward lines that they rolled out tonight, I do feel like they can work. If you want to move DeBrinkit up and have him play with Kubelik and Taves, fine. I can accept that. I can get behind that but I don't need wholesale changes in that forward group. I think that the guys that were together tonight showed some good chemistry at times, especially Borkstrom and DeBrinckit. I did like the two of them together. I think that Doc and Kane have some nice chemistry. Maybe Brandon Hagel can obviously give them a little bit of punch and a little bit of speed too. I think that Jeremy Colleton should stick with those forward lines. I think that obviously there's some changes he can make um, defensively, please, for the love of God, please do it. <laughs> I, I do think that Dehan and Jones can stay together. I thought they did look really solid tonight. I think they're growing more comfortable together, which I am okay with. They combined for eleven shots on goal tonight, man.
2: Yeah, they, they're putting the puck on Ned. Seth Jones is very active with the puck today. tonight.
1: So I think keep that together, especially in a home matchup where you can dictate things and where Vancouver's defense has not been playing well to start the season. I think that that's going to be a really good idea to keep those guys on the ice together. I say run this lineup out again as best you can. Obviously, Mike Hardman probably is not going to be part of it. Run it back out there again and see if you can dominate possession again and take advantage of a Vancouver team that's been very poor defensively. I think that that's... Your first step, I'm not going to say Jeremy Colleton's the genius, the savior, blah, blah, blah. If they go out and, you know, uh, just beat the pants off of Vancouver on Thursday night. But at least it would show that they've got some conviction. They have some backbone and they have some willingness to try some things that seem to be working even as the loss occurred. I think that you are absolutely right on that front. And those kind of specific elements, I would not change.
2: By the way, I saw widespread lineup changes at Horde Fest in 1997. They were excellent.
1: <laughs> you, you brought up dire straits earlier, and I almost I almost said a similar thing, but I kind of let it go.
2: I appreciate it. I appreciate that. Yeah, so everyone right now, if you're in your car, I'm not going to do the Dan Jiggins, put your hand on the radio and say a prayer. No, but just take oh, a deep Dan breath. Jiggott, I love that guy. He's a great man. He is really a truly awesome guy, but take a deep breath. It's four games. It's going to get better because it can't get worse. It's going to get better. It's going to be okay. They do
1: have a point, Jay. It can definitely get worse. I
2: suppose you're right. I suppose you're right, but (laughs) Lord, I mean, Calgary has one point. Ottawa is winless, but they've only played two games. I'm sorry, not Ottawa. Winnipeg is winless. Um, so the Hawks are not the worst team in hockey. Yay. Congratulations.
1: Hey, Montreal again, Montreal. They're Oh, four and o. they don't have any points yet.
2: They have three total goals in four games.
1: I don't think that's good.
2: No, that is uh let me check my notes here. Hang on. That the is the Bruins
1: have played one game and they have three goals.
2: That they is, uh, yes, that's bad. My notes are telling me three goals in four games. Bad. I just checked.
1: I didn't realize the Seattle Kraken have already played five games. The
2: Kraken. Then uh, Home Opener tomorrow. Can they tomorrow? stop showing
1: that app tease, by the way? Release the Kraken. Stop it, ESPN. Just stop it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, I thought like with ESPN, we'd get a, like more variety of commercials. You know, like it's because uh, <laughs> that's what was the, the problem on NBC was like the same four ads over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's uh, still not the When is the Kraken Home Opener?
1: Uh, October 23rd. It's on Saturday, I believe. Oh,
2: wow. Okay. So uh, texting with a buddy who was was just kind of thinking about going to the game. Cheapest ticket in the building is a grand.
1: Good God.
2: (laughs) So he's like, maybe I'll go to game two. I'm
1: like, yeah, that's good. That could (laughs) buy you like probably 150 Blackhawks (laughs) tickets right now.
2: Let's see. What's a thousand divided by six? Because that's That's how much tickets were before the game.
1: Well, that would be less than two dollars a ticket.
2: No, I'm saying six bucks.
1: Oh, I see what you mean.
2: Yeah, so if you have a thousand dollars divided by six, it's 166 tickets. There you go. You and everyone you know can go to the Hawks game and <laughs> be sad about it.
1: I I will say that the the amount I paid for Sunday's game, not bad. Uh, tickets at Center Ice in the upper tank for fifty bucks a pop. That's not, not awful. Bad. No. I'm betting I would have been able to get him for less than that in the coming days. Oh, I
2: guarantee you, you would have. Maybe I'll join you. I'll see where you're sitting, and maybe I'll just buy a seat right there and come hang and bother you. You can meet my dad. He's actually
1: going to... Uh, God bless him. He's going to his first Blackhawks game. I am not going,
2: I'm not going to interfere with you and your dad.
1: Oh, stop it. Well, oh, my stop. dad likes all my friends. I'm sure he would like you.
2: I'm taking my dad to... A, he doesn't know this, but I, I bought my dad... because I, I tell you that's my dad like mentioned about a week ago like hey if you get any Hawks tickets this year I want to go come with I was like what really he's like yeah it's been a while I'd like to go with you I'm like cool I'll return the favor so I got him some tickets for I think the Canucks game in January we're gonna go so I'm looking forward to that now I I love you James you're one of my very dear friends but I would not want you to sit to be third wheel with me and my dad As we sit there awkwardly, not knowing how to express ourselves to each other.
1: Oh, no. I was saying if you (laughs) wanted to come to the Sunday game and find, like, tickets, you could say what's up to my wife. You could say what's up to my dad. It would be perfectly fine if you did
2: that. All right. But I'm not going to hang out.
1: Do whatever the hell you want. I can't come
2: Sunday. It's my mother-in-law's birthday. (laughs) So I don't get to watch the Bears lose by 30 either.
1: Well, that's exactly why I bought tickets to the game. I didn't feel like watching Tom Brady beat the bejesus out of the Bears.
2: Ah oh, well, this was a fun podcast. Let me tell you, I had a great time. How about you?
1: Yeah, let's definitely do that again sometime.
2: <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right. It's going to get better. There's going to be wins to talk about, I think. And if you're truly a Jeremy Colleton hater and a Stan Bowman hater, then maybe that's how you spin this is like, well, we're one step closer to them getting fired. But I'll believe it when I see it. That's that's all I'm going to say. So stop tweeting at us. Hey, when's this Collettman going to get fired? I don't know. Apparently never. I wish I knew. I wish I knew. I'd be really smart and rich if I knew these things, but I don't know. But every time a game happens like this, you get a step closer. So there's your silver lining. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Thanks to our friends at Fry the Coop and, of course, the Simpson Law Group. Uh, we alternate our podcast sponsors for the post-game, so Kent gets the next game. Yeah, yeah, but he's excited about that. Hopefully he gets a win. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back with you very, very soon on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast.
0: The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Fry the Coop, Triple Threat Sports, and by the Sin's In Law Group.